morning, church. Giving honor to God and my Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm going to read for you Luke 21, 25 through 36. Chris is good for giving me these things at the last minute, so if I make a few mistakes, please bear with me. Well, he just put it in my hand not 30 seconds ago. <laughs> but that's him. All righty. All right. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars on earth. There will be dismay among nations in their confusion over the roaring of the seas and the surging waves. <clears throat> the planets and other heavenly bodies will be shaken, causing people to faint from fear and forbidding of what is coming upon the world. Then they will see the Son of Man come on a cloud with power and great splendor. Now when these things begin to happen, stand up straight and raise your head because your Redeemer is near. Jesus told them a parable. Look at a fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for the, yourselves and know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see these things happen, you know that God's kingdom is near. I assure you that this generation wasn't passed away until everything has happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will certainly not pass away. Take care that your hearts aren't dulled by, by drinking parties, drunkenness, and the anxieties of day-to-day -day life. Don't let the days fall upon your unexpected. Let a trap, like a trap, it will come upon everyone who lives in the face of the whole earth. Stay alert at all times. Pray that you are strong enough to escape everything that is about to happen and to stand before the Son of Man. God's word for the people of God. Thank you. That was all part of the plan, Wayne. So, 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 some scriptures you shouldn't have time to prepare. They're on you. You got to stay awake and upright. Well, as the first verse of the Advent hymn goes, that's great. It starts with an earthquake, aeroplanes, birds, and snakes. Lenny Bruce is not afraid. Yeah, the, the writer Michael Stipe uh, wrote it best in his R.E.M. song, The End of the World as We Know It, brackets, and I feel fine. Katie turned that song down. When I suggested it, I told her you all could sing fast, but she didn't like it. <laughs> if, 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 I, if I start requesting REM songs and start saying, what's the frequency, Kenneth, just, just something. It would have been a perfect song for today's lectionary text. It, it, it would have just been great because that's a really weird scripture that we had to read today and, and that I always know I can count on uh, Wayne to read. It, we've been gathering for our midweek morning prayer and these, we're kind of in a weird cycle of scripture that keeps coming up. These Isaiah readings, these Revelation readings, it's kind of strange and gloom and doom. It's especially strange for a season that is built around this eight pound, six ounce newborn but maybe Advent's supposed to be weird. Maybe it's supposed to be like weirder than just like the Audi Advent calendar weird, where you can have like a whole calendar for all these different things. Maybe it's it's more wild than like kitschy weird. 
preacher Fleming Rutledge is fond of saying, Advent is not for the faint of heart. This is a season that we sing these invitation songs. Maybe you noticed that. Maybe you hadn't been here or you've been with the, the babies in nursery for a while, and all of a sudden we just turn to a whole different section of our hymn book, and most of these songs ha start with the word come. Come, Emmanuel, come, long-expected Jesus, come, Lord, come. And don't get it twisted. These songs are configured around Jesus' first coming as a baby, but they're also around Jesus' second coming, that Jesus has come, is coming, and will come again. Keep Advent weird. <laughs> so our scripture passage today comes, like, is centered around just that event. Jesus has his face set towards Jerusalem, and he tells of these last times. His language is kind of freaky and opaque. The sun, the moon, and the stars all telling the tale of the end of something and the start of something else. It's like Jesus is just kind of grabbing for what like the biggest and well-known fixtures, the things that they think they can rely on and set their clock on or set their sundial on. He's trying to grab those things and shake them and shake us to our foundations. Last week, uh, Dr. Dan talked about our friend Flannery O'Connor, and she has this description of how she writes these grotesque, violent, strange, shocking stories. And she says, as a writer, she may be forced to take ever more violent means to get her vision across to a hostile audience. Which is when she can assume that the audience holds the same beliefs as her, she can relax a little and use more normal ways to talk to it. But when you assume that the audience is not, you have to make your vision apparent by shock. She says, to the hard of hearing, you shout. To the almost blind, you draw large and startling figures. So here's Jesus, like John the Baptist before him, and like Flannery much later, shouting and drawing the largest and most startling figures possible. The sun, moon, and stars are shaking in the heavens, and the kingdom of God is near. This is shock and awe language. But if the kingdom of God is near, where? How? When? All these questions are apocalyptic. And I don't just mean that as an end of the world as we know it, but as a unveiling, an opening, a revelation. You might be sitting there saying, I didn't know I got lured into this place under the auspices of Advent to get, <laughs> for him to talk to me about the end times, right? That's kind of what's happening, though. Our reading starts with the end of Luke's gospel. That's already a weird thing. The end is where we start from. And Jesus warns about the signs of the times, and he tells a parable, as he's wont to do. Many of us are taught to like, seek out Jesus in our devotional reading, and you know, kind of the quintessential devotional reading is sequestered from the world, from the concerns and the the sirens sealed off, but it seems like Jesus is advocating for a more engaged kind of Bible in one hand, New York Times in the other approach. Like an approach that is tuned into the convulsions of the world, and no matter how 
much we try to be in the world and not of it, that we're affected by our surroundings. We contribute to our surroundings. And Jesus describes this like theo-ecological crisis that is happening, sun, moon, and stars, knocked off their courses above. And it causes, quote, dismay among the nations in their confusion. Advent is a confusing time set in a sort of unstable darkness. Maybe, maybe these themes are evergreen. Maybe it's perennial. Maybe Advent always comes at the right time. Jesus is talking about this two millennia ago, and it still feels prescient as we turn in our front page. This is Friday's front page of the New York Times. And you can see just above the fold, I think there's New York Times in there, Brody. You can just see above the fold, talk of race and economy and pandemic and ecological crisis. Then you get, move down further, and there's political strife and immigration and abortion and terrorism and trauma. If this was a Durham Herald Sun, it would talk about homelessness and a housing crisis and gentrification and street violence and injustice and inequity that's growing in our fair full city. Maybe all this talk about the sun and moon and stars breaking, maybe it's, it's, it's destructive and sad and scary talk. Maybe it's hopeful talk, though. Maybe that's what you hope for when the way the sun, moon, and stars are hung right now don't work for you. Maybe you just kind of want the whole darn etch-a-sketch to be flipped over and shaken a little bit. And I think that's what Jesus is talking about. Of course, this is the worst thing that you can imagine if all this does work for you. We need to grapple with how this feels. <laughs> if we read these passages or if we breeze through them or screen them out or flip over them, it probably means that the status quo works for us and maybe we're not so willing or not so able or we haven't learned yet how to trust this God of upheaval. So there is confusion, there is dismay, there is fear, there is fatigue, and that's just Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> Jesus understands that all of this can be pretty crushing. The temptation is to become numb to it if we, if we can. That sort of num numbness is kind of a privilege. We can buffer ourselves from the all too much when it feels like all too much, and often we do that with some other kind of all too much, whether you know that's drinking or medication or just like fantasy or disconnecting. We buffer ourselves from the all too much with some other kind of all too much. But here's the warning here from Jesus, stay awake. It's the same warning that he gave his disciples. They had one job in Gethsemane, stay awake, and they couldn't do it. We're asked to be attentive to the divine presence of Jesus as he does his thing in our world and in our lives. Stay awake. Stand up straight. Raise your heads because redemption is near. This means that God in Christ by the Spirit has come and is coming again. It happened once. It will happen finally. But it also just may happen today that Jesus might come. We're singing all these songs. <laughs> if 
you pray these prayers, you better expect for God to answer your prayers. Advent happens, okay? And, and <laughs> when it says to be upright, we, we were talking about this in our, our liturgy planning meeting, what that might look like. And the image that I, that I just got of, of standing up straight, being attentive, being awake, was like that sounded so hard and so like to be in that state of vigilance by yourselves sounds so hard and i don't think that we're asked to to like each of us separately do that like completely that we're supposed to like that would make you really paranoid <laughs> to to constantly be vigilant to everything that could happen and everything that might come your way our bodies are even built not to have to do that that's that's why we have all these sorting mechanisms in our brain sometimes they're 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 they go haywire sometimes they're like skewed by sin that that we categorize that way but i don't think we're supposed to do this together or separately i think we're supposed to do this together and the image i had was of batman and robin you know in those old comics when <laughs> when something bad is going to happen and when they're outnumbered and when they need to stand up straight and be vigilant, they go back to back, right? So that they can see in more than one direction. Their, their heads are on a swivel together. And that, that's what it feels like when we're supposed to stand up straight, be awake, and be attentive to Advent happening. I think it is a group project for us together. It takes more than just me. It takes all of us to be vigilant. And it takes all of us to, to be fruitful in this vigilance. That, that we're not just on high security, but we're also learning to cultivate lives that can be vigilant and do all the things that we need to do and grow as the kind of people who can be vigilant together. I think that's why Jesus tells this really strange parable. It seems when Jesus reaches for a, a parable, there's always like a fig tree around, you know? There's always, fig trees are like the strangest thing that Jesus does several times in the Gospels. And they, kind of like yeast and fig trees, can kind of mean exactly opposite things, depending on when Jesus is looking at it, right? So, and, and I think about this fig tree um, as a sign of fruitfulness, but also as a sign of what's coming. I think everyone has that tree on their block, or maybe you're that tree that, is kind of out of season like it's either like blooming or on fire way too early and then like it still has fruit on it without any leaves left like there there's a tree right across from my house my neighbor's house and it has these persimmons every leaf has fallen and these persimmons are beautiful and and completely exposed to every squirrel and all my children right and for me this persimmon tree is kind of its own like living active parable, this out of timeness, this bearing fruit in a season that is awkward and uncomfortable and is a witness. It's a reminder. It's an alarm sounding that even though we're headed for winter, summer is coming. Summer is encroaching. Fruit can still grow in the in-between. The spirit grows fruit in and out of season. Remember our, our story, our family story, the story ends reminding us of this. In Revelation 22, it says, On each side of the river is the tree of life, which produces 12 crops of fruit, bearing its fruit each month. The tree's leaves are for the healing of the nations. 
all the nations. And there will no longer be a curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. Night will be no more. But even though there's no sun and no moon, night will be no more. They won't need the lamp, the light of the lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will shine upon them, and they will rule forever and always. Revelation 22, the end of our story. Come on. I, I think this sort of fruitfulness, it seems so strange and so awkward. And if, you, if you're that persimmon tree growing fruit out of the season and, and you, you probably feel strange or awkward or what's the point of it, most of this is just going to end up on the ground and turn into like street puree. That also happens, right? But it's not impossible and it's not for nothing. And I see it all around. I see it just in our community, this sort of fruit growing in the in-between. Like, it's happening all around. Like, I see this in the way our grad students, who are, like, kind of one of the quintessential in-between people because they're here for, like, two to five years, depending on their program. And so very tempting to come to a city like Durham that is really cool and really fun and has really good food and not do anything except for have fun and eat that good food. But we, we have these beautiful grad students who pour their gifts and grow their fruit and share it with everyone. And, and it's so beautiful. It's, it's breathtaking for, for these pastor-throughs to become so embedded in such a short time. I see that in the way single people in our community are included in the lives of families, not as appendages, but as family members at the table. That's so great. Uh, Steph showed me uh, one of her friends uh, published a book, and Steph got to share a bit of her experience as a single person in this community and looking around. And that's beautiful fruit in this in this in-between season, or maybe an extended in-between season, or maybe just a permanent state of in-betweenness. I see this in the way that so many people have become so core to the life of Oak Church, who came here originally during a pandemic, who like their first engagement with Oak Church was via live stream. Shout out to the three people on our live stream right now. <laughs> but that is, that's such a weird in-between in, in, in like every season, every weird season, parking lot church, here with mask, into this next season that is a little beyond us and we're not sure exactly how it's gonna look. People are, are pouring in and sharing their gifts. I've seen it in the way Tasu and her family serve and love and the many ways that they thrive in this brutal in-between for them in their family in a, in a place that is their home that is so far from their home now. I see this in the ways in our community and around our community that some of the folks with the very smallest of margins are the most generous people, whether that's money or whether that's time or whether that's energy. I, I just see, you know, like kind of like the Hanukkah story, this, this tale of just surprising abundance. Uh, we don't know where it's coming from, but God is providing. I see this in the way that so many of y'all choose to live creatively. Like whether that's through like making art or like living in community or rooting in your neighborhood or making choices uh, that are good for creation, like that, that is animating the way that you live. I think that is, that is beautiful. And that is a sign of growing fruit in and out of season. All of these hopeful 
out of or in between season are uh, fruit growing are versions of a witness of what is made possible by God's presence and God's grace. Every time we do those small, normal things in our lives, it witnesses to this Advent reality that God is coming and God has provided. All of this in-breaking time is also predicated on in-breaking space. This is an expectation that God will and God does show up now, but also here in our real lives and recognizable places and faces. I think that's the strangest part of the nativity story is that, <laughs> that Mary and Joseph settle in and then have like 30 years of story that we don't really know of Jesus's childhood with his neighbors and the people that are coming to Joseph's carpentry shop and know like people that know Jesus because God chose to come here. I think this also uh, really shapes like how we relate to our here and our now. The, the way we treat this good creation that certainly is groaning for redemption. It doesn't let us throw it all away or treat, uh, treat it not as our home, even if it is temporary. Like that song that Katie led, uh, Canticle of the Turning Notice, it says the world is about to turn, not the world is about to burn, which is the way some of us have been brought up to, to relate to creation. Treating our earthly home as if it's disposable or if our bodies are despisable. In some cases, this actually accelerates the earth's demise in order to get to the good part. Maybe that's, that's how you were raised. This logic is immature at kind of best or demonic at worst. That we'd enjoy the mistreatment of God's creation in order to rush towards a new creation. That's not how any of this works. This outlook makes talk of shaking the earth's foundations and fixtures seem pretty threatening and insensitive, especially if you're pleased with and invested in the way things already are. But what if this talk of destruction it's actually more of a talk of construction. Maybe it's, maybe it's a talk of renovation. When the, when the sun, moon, and stars are shaking, it's because Jesus is talking about demo day. Jesus is talking about making room for renewal right in the midst of the old. What if this requires more imagination than we currently have, and that's okay? Like, that's why things are breaking, is because we've surpassed our capacity. It means that we're going to have to trust God. It means that we're going to have to work with and show up and learn and hunger and thirst for something that's not all the way here, there, but is, is kind of starting to be here. It's the Polaroid picture that is starting to develop slowly. God is renewing this place all around us, including us. That process and result might not look or feel how you expected. There might be birth pangs and growing pains and a lot of tearing down before there's building up. Has anyone ever renovated anything? There's a lot of sledgehammers before there's like a grout trowel, right? There's a lot of dust in the meanwhile. But God is renewing creation. In fact, in Jesus' long-awaited birth, God has already reconfigured creation forever. This place 
wasn't big enough for God, but God came anyways. Something broke. More accurately, someone broke in. The creation has experienced a divine breaking and entering disguised as the birth of a little brown baby. The creator inhabited creation. Now the middle of the Venn Imagine it with me. <laughs> the middle of that diagram is growing and starts. Creation and God are coming together. The kingdom is at hand. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Has happened personally here. And few saw it coming. Fewer recognized it happening. That's why when we have the stories that, that we'll rehearse, they're, they're rehearsing right now for next week, these stories of Simeon and Anna and the shepherds and the angels and all these, these kind of grubby characters, like there were so few people we could name them by name <laughs> that, that actually recognized what was going on. As Jesus was born in hay to an unwed refugee teenage version, all of our hopes for something else, some other version of that, a conquering king, were dismantled. They were ripped out to the studs like any good home renovator would do. It was the end of the world that we've known in the start of a brand new one right in the midst of the old. It's an exciting new world breaking in challenging us, including us, renewing us, and drafting us into this renovation project, calling most of us who have been the line leader to get to the back of the line, because the last shall now be first. There's a reordering of things. And contrary to a popular tune, Mary knew that. She knew that she was participating in acting a parent being young being given honor, the scattered, the mighty being pulled down from their thrones, the humble being lifted up, the hungry being filled and with good things, the rich being sent away into valley, up the mountain filled, and there's a new skyline in this place. So, friends, in some ways, it's always Advent season. What other time does the church have than Advent? It's always Advent season. So stand up straight. Actually, st stand up. Stand up straight. Raise your heads. Stay awake. Or wake up. If <laughs> Be adult, unanxious, and attentive. Lean in. All light, even if it's a light that doesn't feel like it's going to light anything up, carry a light. Our redemption is near. Will you all pray with me? Lord Jesus, who comes? Who comes to be with us? Who comes to make a way for us? Who comes to make us family and comes to make a home? Wake us up, stand us up, lift our heads. Help us do this together.
as your body in this world. We pray all this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.